Hello, and welcome back to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. In series one, we spoke to IMD professors about business strategy, AI, cybersecurity, and power. But today, we're going deeper. We'll be talking about mental health in the workplace. And for that, we're meeting Alison Meister, the Professor of Leadership and Organizational Behavior at IMD. Hello, Alison. It's great to have you here. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. Alison, you specialize in subjects that include mental health, identity, diversity, well-being, and workplace stress, something we'll get onto in just a minute. But before we do, I wanted to ask you why you chose this field, why you chose mental health as your area of expertise. Yeah, that's a great question. Mental health and the effects of mental health have just been so important to me as of a very young age. So at a young age, I became really aware of the impacts of the mind and brain health on all aspects of life. I've got close family members and friends that live with mental health challenges, mental illnesses, and I've seen really the impact that mental health can have on quality of life, quality of relationships, and ultimately people's work. So fast forward to the workplace, I've also seen and felt personally the unnecessary suffering and harm that can happen through things like bullying, bad behavior, through poor leadership and toxic cultures. And I've discovered that mental health really affects everything else, whether people can reach their potential, whether they feel like they matter, whether they can contribute their best and enjoy their work, whether they'll treat others and lead others with kindness. So ultimately, I think mental health underpins so many aspects of ourself, of our relationships and of our workplace that I'm really excited that it's getting more attention now. It is getting more attention now. And I feel like some of the attention it's getting is quite different, right? People have changed their attitudes about work, about talking about your feelings in the workplace and about stress. And that's what we wanted to get onto today. So Let's get into workplace stress. Why is it an important area to focus on within mental health? Well, interesting. We're at this kind of critical turning point globally right now. We're facing what the World Health Organization is referring to as a mental health crisis in the workplace. And in 2022, actually, the WHO, along with governmental organizations like the Surgeon General of the United States, the Royal Governmental Authorities in the UAE, the European Union, so many bodies have released urgent calls for employers to take stress, health, and well-being of their employees seriously. Uh, it's for really good reason, because the lack of recognition about the need to promote things like workplace well-being gives rise to really important outcomes at the individual, at the team, at the organization level, loss of productivity, turnover, not to mention costs. 12 billion working days are lost every year just due to mental health issues. And that's reported working days due to mental health issues. Imagine what the number actually is. It's becoming something we really need to focus on in the workplace. And so in your extensive work at IMD, you write about the stress mindset. Can you tell mm. us a bit about that? Yeah, okay, let's break this down. I love talking about stress mindset. So let's first understand what is a mindset, and then I'll tell you what a stress mindset is. So mindset is essentially a core assumption or beliefs about a domain, a category, or something that orientates us as humans to a particular set of expectations, attributions, motivations, and goals. So 
mindsets or our belief about the world around us, a belief about things about leadership, for example, help us just understand the world around us. And they shape our thoughts and our choices and even how our body responds to certain situations or people. So for example, many of us have heard about Carol Dweck and her colleagues work on growth mindset. So that's the belief that our intelligence isn't fixed, but malleable. And this has impacts on learning and health and performance and even stress. So taking this to the level of stress, a stress mindset is essentially what we believe, what we fundamentally believe about the nature of stress itself. And a lot of the work around this has been done by, recently done by Aliyah Crum and her colleagues at Stanford Mind and Body Lab. And they've shown how our mindsets and our beliefs about stress can actually shape what happens to our bodies when it comes to stress. So for example, when it comes to stress, they showed that if you have the, the belief that stress is depleting and stress is bad for you, that it actually changes the way your body responds to it in that you release more cortisol, you release more of the what can be considered negative stress hormones. The belief, however, that stresses can enhance your performance and that it's good for you can actually positively influence your performance and productivity and your body physiologically responds different to stress itself. It has a less negative impact on you and can even have a positive impact. So it's fascinating that our beliefs about stress really shape the effects that stress have on us. And, whether, and, and it can actually come down to life and death when we look at the effects of chronic stress on people over time. So just to be clear, this is a positive thing we're talking about, or rather it's something you're talking about developing rather than I think what I first thought when I heard this term, the stress mindset, is just being the mindset of being too stressed. <laughs> no, exactly. What's fascinating is that stress gets a bad rap. If I say the word stress, people often associate it immediately with negative things. We think about situations or triggers that make us feel stressed. So we kind of mix up, you know, two different things. We mix up the stressor, the thing that's causing our stress, and our stress reaction to it, that potentially negative effect it can have on us. And developing a positive stress mindset, so a stress is enhancing mindset, is about realizing there is an important space between the stressor, the thing in the external environment, and our reaction to it. In that space lies our ability to choose how stress is going to affect us. And that space, we can train and we can train ourselves to get much better at dealing with stress and about not allowing it to harm us, but rather use stress in a positive way to give us motivation. If you think about it, you need stress in your life. I think the, the grandfather of stress, Hans Selye, said, you know, without stress, we would be dead, right? We need stress to motivate us, to get us excited, to get us ready for the big performance. You know, I think about athletes getting ready for the big game, that level of stress, they frame as motivating, as exciting, and that actually helps their body perform at its best under pressure, as opposed to sending them into that kind of fight or flight reflex, which is that negative stress response that we can have. So Alison, you've spoken there about athletes and how they use stress to respond to difficult situations positively. And you've also mentioned that training aspect, how people can develop their stress mindset. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I mean, how would one start down that path to begin to have a better relationship with stress? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Athletes are a great place to start because athletes 
if you think firefighters, police people, we need you know surgeons to be at their best under pressure. We need them be, to be able to walk in under an immense amount of pressure or what could be considered stress and perform at their best. So with these, there's been lots of work and we've done lots of research with these kind of groups to understand how they harness stress for the good. So if you can imagine, this takes training and practice. The first thing to start with to use stress to your advantage is first of all, to have the belief that no matter what the situation is, that you can harness it for positive performance, that the effects of the stressor, you can control the effect of the external situation on your body. So taking that pause to know one, that stress can be good for you, and that can actually shift whether your body goes into that fight, flight, or freeze response, which is called a threat response, or whether it goes into what's called a challenge response, where you actually harness that energy, you harness that focus that can come with a stress response for positive performance. So first of all, it's about just having that belief that stress can be harnessed for the good is part of the battle. And then another way you can really develop that is by practicing, practicing, practicing. So if you picture yourself, what athletes do is they actually put themselves in high pressure scenarios by picturing it, by visualizing. Visualizing is amazing because it actually activates the parts of your brain, the same parts of your brain as when you're actually in an experience. So if you have a big presentation coming up, for example, which is a scenario that most people feel kind of stressed about, you picture yourself walking on stage for a big presentation, picture it in your mind. Picture what you're going to do and picture the pressure of that situation as giving you energy and motivation and excitement to perform at your best rather than picturing and thinking how you're going to be so nervous. Talk, tell yourself about how that is actually your body preparing for ultimate performance because our bodies have a very kind of similar response when we're pre preparing for something we know very well how to do and that we're excited about and what could be considered a dangerous, threatening response. It's a small shift in our, our way of approaching it that shifts our physiological reaction to it. So athletes always use these little strategies like telling themselves, I'm excited out loud. And that can help you kind of harness the energy to perform. And are there any groups that are naturally better at handling stress than others? I'm thinking about whether, you know, age, sex, or seniority play into this are there certain people who are more liable to look at their stress mindset and improve it? Or is this something that, you know, everybody can equally look at? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think there's two different responses here. One, stress mindset and our beliefs about stress and getting good at dealing with high pressure scenarios and building our resilience is absolutely learnable. So there's this assumption sometimes that resilience is a trait but resilience is dynamic. We can all learn it and we can practice. The most resilient people in the world, ironically, are not those who have never faced stress. The most resilient people in the world who have faced stress over and over and over again and have got very, very good at dealing with it and recovering from its effects and planning for it next time and making sense of the situation. So actually, if you think about it, at the moment, what's interesting, what we're seeing around the effects of stress around the world is that the younger generations are suffering the most when it comes to stress. So in the post-pandemic, and, and some countries are still very much in it, but in the post-COVID era, 
We've actually seen the World Health Organization has announced that depression and anxiety and stress are skyrocketing. So the numbers have gone up even more than at the peak of the pandemic of stress and anxiety, of depression. And at the moment, it is the younger generations that are suffering the most. Gen Z is the hardest hit by stress with 90% of Gen Z employees experiencing psychological symptoms of stress reported by the American Psychological Association. One recent study showed that 60% of American teen girls are feeling sad and hopeless. But if we take that to the workplace, it's particularly challenging at the moment for middle managers, actually, in organizations. So those people in the organization who are facing the squeeze from the top and are having to relate that and take care of their people underneath them. So that middle layer is actually particularly facing a lot of stress at the moment, working more hours, feeling like they can't disconnect from work. And so I think stress can affect us all, and it does affect us all. Good news is we can get better at at dealing with it. And so when you're talking there about the squeeze, feeling the squeeze from above, you're referencing something that I think we've all had experience with, which is feeling stress roll down the hill towards you in a workplace. Mm -hmm. Can I talk to you a little bit about one group affecting the other and specifically leaders? And I want to know what your view is on how much a stress mindset of a leader can go down throughout an organization. Is that a phenomenon you see often when you're consulting with groups about this, when you're talking to large companies? Yeah, so two different things here as well. It's important for all of us and particularly leaders to know that, number one, they are not immune to the effects of stress. So there's always been this historic narrative about leaders, that leaders have to be invulnerable and they have to have it all together and they have to be able to be good at everything. And we're showing that actually that's just not the case. Leaders are human and they are definitely affected by stress. So it's a misconception, first of all. Studies by Deloitte show that nearly 40% of leaders are really under pressure and feeling exhausted right now due to this. So absolutely, leaders are affected and leaders' mindsets, states, and emotions are particularly contagious. So we know that emotions and emotional states are contagious. They travel through social networks, kind of like like a virus. When I say social networks, I don't mean Facebook. I mean social networks of humans. So we tend to end up feeling how the people around us feel, which is important to know because that's even more catchy as a leader. If your leader is someone who is really suffering from stress and anxiety that they're not coping well with, this can have an effect on you. And as reported stress levels go up, leaders can also engage in more unintentional toxic behavior where they, 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 become, they, they become more prone to micromanaging or more prone to working all of the time. So if a leader works on a weekend, their people are more likely to have to work on a weekend and not be able to shut off. So just know that as a leader, your emotions are, and your stress is very, very contagious. But that's the stress itself, stress mindsets. Now, there's not any particular studies that show about contagion of stress mindset itself, but we know that leaders have such an important role model effect. So if they believe that stress is harnessable, that it's workable, that we can do something about it, that we can develop and learn how to handle stress better, they are much more likely to teach that to their people, consciously and also unconsciously. So I think that's really important. And leaders have to know their important role in managing the stress process of their people and setting the culture of the organization. And you're talking about the relationship between leaders and the organization, talking about how leaders can set an example positively and negatively. 
what can organizations do in terms of concrete steps to encourage a positive stress mindset in their own workplace? Well, first of all, I think it's really important that we develop awareness and a language to address stress and mental health, to have better conversations about this. So I work with a lot of leaders and organizations at the moment that are just kind of scared to approach the issue because we've never really been given the tools and the frameworks and the language to talk about mental health at work. And of course, we're all afraid of crossing boundaries. And the one thing I will say is that leaders should not become psychotherapists. I get asked a lot, you know, do I need to become a psychotherapist to be a leader in this day and age? Absolutely not. What you do need to learn is how, how to recognize maybe signs that someone is suffering, some of the things to look for, and the resources that you might have access to as a leader, whether that be human resources or ERGs or for mental health first aiders or, or just good leadership practices to help people thrive in organizations. And that thriving used to be just performance, 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 focused on task thriving. But now we we know very much that leaders that focus on people as the whole person, you know, their mental health, their physical health, helping boost people's ability to find and create meaning in their work can have such a positive impact on mental health. So first of all, I would say it starts with awareness Then it moves to actually understanding the tools, the resources, and the behaviors you have at your disposal as a leader to help really support others to thrive. Alison, I think only a cursory glance at LinkedIn shows that there are quite a few people out there with ideas about how to bust stress, about how to deal with stress, about how to change your relationship with work. But you've done the research. You've done the research when it comes to speaking to people directly working with organizations, you're at the cutting edge of this. So I wanted to ask you a bit about how you developed that research body and whether or not people are reluctant or have been reluctant in your time studying stress and workplace stress to talk to you about it and whether or not you can even trust their answers. Because it seems to me something quite difficult to measure. People are liable to say, after all, I'm fine. Things are going well. I don't want to bring my team down. I don't want to let my team down. How do you deal with that when you're doing the research? Well, first of all, when I started looking into stress and doing stress research over a decade ago, you're right, people were much more hesitant to talk about it. What's exciting now is that it's kind of been thrust to the fore by COVID. If you ask anyone now, raise your hand. I ask in a a room of 400 people, raise your hand if you know anyone who has suffered from a mental illness or burnout in the last year. Almost every single person raises their hand. So the pervasiveness of this topic has kind of forced the issue. Organizations are having to learn how to have these conversations because they're losing their people to burnout or losing their people to cultures where they actually take care of people's mental health. So I've been very, very excited that organizational leaders, not just in HR, but across all the organization are looking for skills in this. But what I always advise organizations who are interested is to know that it's not an individual problem in itself. So burnout isn't just the responsibility of an individual. It's not a weakness of the individual that they are just not doing something right or they're not stress resistant or just need to develop a stress mindset. It's both and. I think of thriving and and mental health and well-being in the workplace as if you picture a double helix. 
you need systems, you need structures, you need, you need inclusive cultures, and you need meaningful work to help people also build their resilience. It's focusing, a lot of organizations are, are throwing money at the issue by giving mindfulness classes or yoga classes or, you know, different apps for employees to look at their levels of well-being or stress. But that on its own doesn't work. We actually really need to address as well the systemic levers of well-being. And McKinsey's latest study of burnout shows that toxic culture is far and beyond the most important contributor to burnout at work. So it's a both-end approach. When organizations want to tackle this, they have to look at both the individual and their, the organization itself. And that's how you move the, the lever on this. Yeah, so and what the research we're working on, I find much more, in fact, quite the opposite that organizations are will shy away from this the best organizations out there are dying for research on this can you help us you know we're willing to look at data we're willing to have the conversation because they're seeing the real impact of mental health and i'm excited and really encouraged to work with leaders in this area that sounds like you're bullish on stress stress is something that more and more people are dealing with and so therefore do you think this is a problem that's getting better <laughs> Well, I hope so. I have, a, I definitely have a positive outlook for it. I think that at the moment, the numbers aren't keeping up with our skill and our awareness. So we're becoming more aware. And I think always when you become aware of a topic, the numbers go up for a while because finally you have some numbers, you have some data, you have some language to kind of show you the problem. So we're seeing a lot of the problem now. But the good thing is we're also moving much more towards a solution. So organizations are putting their money where their mouth is. They're helping their people. They're offering new packages when it comes to benefits and training and education in this area. So I think there's a bit of a lag effect. We've seen the problem. We know there is a problem from children through to, <laughs> through to retirees. So now it is about saying, all right, here's where we are. Here's where we're going. And we're on that journey. And I very much hope over the next year or two, we will see a lot of positive impact of some of this awareness and, and the tools that are being developed out there. Okay, Alison, I think here's where we are and here's where we're going is actually a great place to stop. I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for the next one. Me too. To our listeners, I'll tell you again that Alison Meister is a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMD, and her teaching is focused on mental health, well-being, and the subject of today's episode, stress. In the next episode, we'll be looking at the recovery paradox. See you next time. <laughs>